That speaks to a long time ago. <laughs> Just to let you know. I don't do motorbikes anymore. For the last mm, 75 years. <laughs> or something like that. Um, okay. Good morning to you all. We're glad to have you. And um, if you would, turn in the book of Leviticus, chapter 3. Title of our message today, our, our study, is All the Fat is the Lord's. 3.16 in Leviticus. Leviticus 3.15. All the fat is the Lord's. I know, that's cryptic, isn't it? <laughs> uh, what in the world does that mean? But that's what we're trying to discern and, uh, and to teach. Before we begin, let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful, dear Lord, for your grace to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. And as we study this book of Leviticus, we see Jesus Christ again and again and again. And that was exactly the design that you had in mind when you inspired Moses to write these words. And we pray, dear Father, that we will honor that and that you will grant us the unction that we need to teach this blessed book. Help us to understand it in its symbolic and figurative way that it expresses the ministry, person, and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Boy, all of that's true. The book of Leviticus is, as I've uh, termed the whole series, the gospel according to Leviticus. I know that that's a play on words, perhaps, but it's true. It is an expression of the gospel goodness, the first offering was what? Chapter 1. Right? A burnt offering. And where the, uh, where the offerer had to uh, uh, put his hands on the head of that animal that he brought, identifying with him, and then kill him. That's nothing but the gospel, is it not? Who killed Jesus Christ? You did. Not me. You guys. <laughs> we did as human beings. We sinned against the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, he had to die. And that's what this, uh, that's what chapter one was all about. The atoning, substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I think it is. And I, I hope that we are, are seeing these things in this marvelous book. Today we're going to go to chapter 3 under the title, All the Fat is the Lord's. Let's read it. Fortunately, these are fairly short chapters, not too, too long. 
Beginning verse 1, when this offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, the third type. If he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, there's a change, amen. It's a peace offering. It is no longer a male only. But in the atoning and substitutionary sense, in the, uh, as, a, as these uh, sacrifices progress through the book, only a male was acceptable. But here, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Sinlessness, the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering. There it is again. This is repeated throughout the book of Leviticus. And kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Remember the altar that stood fairly high, about four feet high, and was pretty wide and everything? They sprinkled the blood all around the bottom there. The life is in the blood, Jesus said. You shall not eat blood. And we'll see some other things. Then he shall offer for the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So it's a combination. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. Here we go, into the weeds. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. Has anybody ever slaughtered an animal? We've got some with experience. So you kind of know what I'm talking about, those of you who have done this. You could even do that if you've just done a rabbit or a squirrel or something along those lines. You know the entrails of an animal uh, have these kind of things attached. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is... Uh, uh, on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. It is repeated twice. If he offers a lamb as his offering, and he shall offer it, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, right out in the open. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. See that repetition. Then he shall offer for, from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail which he shall remove close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Curious, isn't it? Wow. And then he shall offer it from his then he shall offer from his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, 
the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma, semicolon, all the fat is the Lord's. That's the title of our lesson right there. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. Amen. And the, and the audience said, Amen. <laughs> I'm, I'm using one of those uh, TV preacher tricks there. <sighs> We're in the weeds, so to speak. We're down to the nitty gritty. If you think it's tough for us, can be, we have behind us the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have the history of Jesus Christ. We have the Gospels. We have, whoops, we have everything about Jesus Christ. We know what it means. We have an advantage. But what about the poor Israelite in the wilderness coming to this tabernacle and being asked to do all these things? It's exactly what this is about. It is cause for the Israelite offerer to think and to consider what these things symbolize. We know from the book of Hebrews that the blood of goats and bulls did not answer for anything, did not cleanse from sin. Wasn't intended to. It was intended as a picture of something else. We know it because we have the gospel and we had other people who came and told us that. But these people, they don't know about the coming of Christ. All they see is what's in front of them. And they've just killed an animal right in the presence of all of Aaron's uh, sons. And uh, now he's being asked to remove and they remove these fat, the liver, and the fatty lobe on the liver, etc., etc. Hmm. All right. I'm going to give you a little bit of a clue. It is my job to seek out some of the meaning. I am not, uh, I am not bold enough to claim I'm going to give you an exhaustive meaning to these things, but some of the uh, important meanings to these things. They're just far too curious for us to skip by them. Go to Ezekiel 21. Ezekiel 21. We're going to talk about the liver. You need to know some things about their culture at that time, outside of the Israelites that are in the, that are in the wilderness right now at Mount Sinai. Um, 
building the tabernacle and uh, with the tabernacle and so forth and so on. All around them, they have Canaanites. They, uh, far away, they got the Babylonians and the Syrians and the, uh, uh, every culture that there is. And I go to Ezekiel chapter 21 and I read these words. 21, 21. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads, to do what? Use divination. He shakes the arrows. I'm still working on that one, but it has to do with a ritual of divination. He consults the images. He looks at the liver. There it is. At least one of the keys to unlocking the interest that God has in the Israelites cutting out the liver and the fatty lobe and burning it completely on the altar. All around them, this uh, uh, was not just to the Babylonians, but to uh, almost every pagan society around used the reading of entrails, particularly the liver, for divination purposes. And God says, throw that mess on the fire and burn it completely. Meaning what? That they're to put their faith in God, not reading livers. It's pagan. And so that's a clue to what goes on here uh, uh, in, in Leviticus chapter 3. The world is not just starting. Uh, they, they, there's cultures all around them. The Canaanites also do the same. Reading of entrails and, and the liver and all these kind of things. And so God is making it plain that they're not to do this. And so... He says something also about the fat. And interestingly enough, uh, uh, about liver and stuff. To the Israelites, this food was unclean. It was offered as food. Didn't you read it? It was offered as food. It's unclean to the Israelite. Whew, boy, am I glad of that because I go to the old 55 cafe out here for onions and liver uh, with, with Debbie, uh, Ron's uh, uh, sister. Yeah, I like liver and onions. Mark chapter 7, what did Jesus say about foods and corruption and uncleanness? He said it's not what goes into the body that corrupts, it's what comes out, that is, out of the heart, out of the mouth, that corrupts. And then there's a parenthesis which says, in so saying, Jesus declared all foods clean. Hello. Then I can go to the 55 Cafe and get my uh, liver and onions. <laughs> I am not doing something that is forbidden by Scripture at all. But in those days, there's a reason for this, and it has to do with this, uh, 
identifying the Israelites as totally different from every culture around them. And they are not to do these kinds of things. They shall burn them on the altar, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Uh, all these things first appear to be kind of strange, but then when you see what they're symbolizing and when you study out the uh, things that are going on in the world at that time, by the way, there are some, some, some things in the scriptures that are culturally defined. That is, you don't wear robes anymore and sandals, do you? Okay, just, just checking. Tyler, you're excused. It's all right for you. <laughs> but most of the time, we don't do that. Uh, 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 those things are, are uh, socially determined. Uh, not everything is that way, though. And so these are the things, and I want to go to the one about the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, verse 16, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. Title of our lesson. Now that I've reached there, I'm getting a little help, not much, from this book. So those of you who are book nuts, <laughs> uh, I know some of you are. Typology. Understanding the Bible's promise-shaped patterns. It's exactly what we're doing, or trying to do. Uh, this is by James Hamilton, Jr. It's a very fine book. Cheap. Thank goodness for that. Less than 20 bucks. And uh, it is a um, delightful little study uh, of these same things that we're studying right here but not limited to Leviticus. It is uh, talking about through, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, but it's very, very helpful in that regard. See me after class if you're interested in maybe getting one for yourself. Uh, you can't borrow mine right now because I'm using it. <laughs> and I am uh, enjoying that, the study. Why is the fat, all the fat, the Lord's? What does that mean? Now, I don't have any magic answers. I have some. There's two or three views about this and uh, everything. Let me ask you, from your own studies or from your own knowledge and from your own backgrounds, what do you think it means? All the fat is the Lord's. You shall not eat any fat. Put yourself in the wilderness You've got some, uh, a bullock, a young bull. You've just killed him. All the fat's been taken out and it's burnt on the offering, uh, on the altar as a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. Any notions of what that, why fat is an issue here? Those are the best pieces. Say it again. Those are the best pieces. That's one view, do you know? Very good. Uh, yes, Tyler. More reliant upon the Lord? Of course, that's a whole thing right there. Uh, but uh, but I, I have to say, Tyler, I'm, 
going to go with this view first. <laughs> it, it is uh, uh, the best parts go to the Lord. You better bring your best parts before this God. He gets the best parts. It's not that fat is bad, is it? Today we, we rejoice in a well-marbled steak, don't we? And we'll eat that fat. Because Jesus said it was okay to do so. The symbolism is what we need to be talking about. But the best pieces, the best part, goes to the Lord. You've got to imagine, though, that the cattle and the, uh, and the sheep and such that were with them in the wilderness were not the fattest beasts you've ever seen, okay? <laughs> they were probably not. That's kind of a rough thing, you know, going through a desert wilderness-like place and expecting them to be big and fat like we do, like the Andruses have out at their wonderful farm. And uh, 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 it just wasn't that way. But nonetheless, there was fat. I spent like a half hour looking at pictures of livers and lobes and everything else online to help me to understand what we're talking about. They're the entrails. And what surprised me is that they were to be taken and laid upon the altar as food and burnt. What is the Israelite to think of all of that? Well, I'm sure that they wondered as well, but I, don't, I can't imagine any thoughtful Israelite coming to do all of this, watching Aaron's sons, the priests, do what they do, and knowing these things without asking in their minds, what am I doing this for? Verse 13, he shall lay his hand on the head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. That's right. The sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. That's very similar to the burnt offering and to the other offerings. Then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma all the fat is the Lord's and it shall be a perpetual statute for the Israelites the best parts. God deserves the best. It should be offered up to him your best if you're going to just translate it to our day. We give our best to Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we see a lot of similarities to the, uh, uh, to the burnt offering, but it's different because it can be a male or a female. And you'll see that kind of changing as we work through all of these things. You'll see some similarities and you'll see some distinct 
differences in the various um, uh, offerings. And so now we're going to go into chapter 4. I haven't entitled it yet, Matt, but I will. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the children of Israel, saying, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought to, not to be done and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, let, uh, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. There's that young bull again. Without blemish. Male. Jesus Christ. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head, identifying with him. What is the gospel? You know, I've, I've said and entitled my entire study as the gospel according to Leviticus. What is the gospel? In a brief statement. Yes. Yes. The reconciliation. And how was that done? It's a harder question. Christ's death, like this bull. And our identity with him. One of the things that I recall in, in when I was being evangelized, I was an adult person, I was 22 years old. And the thing that I had at the time was, I did not believe in Jesus Christ or God. And the first thing I had to I do is to acknowledge Christ. I didn't want to do that. Indeed, I couldn't do that if I'm to get really theologically deep. But God could. And so he gave me what is in termed the new birth, John chapter 3. And the first thing that I did after being born anew is recognize Jesus Christ. All the things that those men had told me came clear. And I had to identify or to use the Levitical language, lay my hands on the head of Jesus Christ. I identified with him. My sins were transferred to him. He died as a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And I was saved eternally. That's the gospel. We are believers because Christ has died. Our sins imputed to him. His righteousness imputed to us. Double imputation, I call it. Romans chapter 5. Marvelous stuff being played out on a grill, a large altar 
in the desert by the children of Israel. Jesus Christ is prominent in all of these things, but only from our perspective can we see it so clearly. I'm sure that the Israelites did not see it that clearly, and it must have set them into thinking. I would have gone home after being to the uh, tabernacle, killing my animal with blood all over me, and watching Aaron's sons splash blood around the thing. I'm going home saying, what in the world? I would have been curious as to what, why is God requiring us to do this? Well, isn't it almost almost as ridiculous as, as it might have seemed to the person that didn't have knowledge? Isn't it almost as ridiculous to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross? For me? Ridiculous. But 100% true. Yes, I think that these things are shocking sometimes in their, what appears to be almost a, a butcher shop that's in the front of the, of the tabernacle with all of the sons of Aaron. Some of them must have been pretty handy with the knife and stuff like that. But so were the worshipers. They had to kill the animals. And then Aaron's sons did a lot of the work. So that must have been curious to them. All the fat is the Lord's. Wait a minute. We got a well-marbled steak and you're going to take the fat from it? Yep. All the good things belong to God. You have any good things? I do. It's not worldly wealth or anything like that. I just have some good things. They belong to God. The only reason I have them is because God graciously gave them. Life indeed, eh? My very life. My wife has Parkinson's. Can be a challenge sometimes, can't it? Can be a challenge. Challenge for both her and for me. But I took the advice of James. It took me a while. Count it all joy when you come into these difficult trials. Jesus Christ is my Savior. Jesus Christ is her Savior. It doesn't really matter the difficulties that we might endure here. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to be going to join Rich uh, uh, Bauer, the young fellow that I described as dying, and a lot of other people that I know. Jack Burkholder. I've mentioned that name, haven't I? He was the guy that brought the gospel to me. And then shortly thereafter, died. Died. 
Now, I don't know if this is true, but I think I'm the only convert, the only person that was converted by the word preached by Jack Burkholder, and then he died. I'm going to, I'll be with my Lord as long as I can be, and I want to know all the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ, but after, if he will allow, I'm going to ask to speak to Jack Burkholder. And I will speak to him. All the best and all the fat is the Lord's. It's, it's a sweet message. It seems a little almost gory as we read it here on the text of, of the book of Leviticus, but it isn't. It's a beautiful thing. When we compare it and contrast it with the life of Jesus Christ, mostly compare because it's symbolically about his offering of himself unto the Father for a sweet-smelling aroma. Where is he now? That offering was raised from the dead that I might have eternal life, and you too. And he's at the right hand of the majesty on high. watching us this morning. Do you believe it? I do. We are in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ who rules and reigns at the right hand of the majesty on high. God help me to be an obedient servant until the very day that I die, eh? I was once lost, but now I'm found. What's the song? All because of the, all the fat is the Lord's. Now, if I can gently come out of that, I'm losing a lot of fat. I just made my lowest weight since high school. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell you. I I went down even more. All the fat is the Lord's. Thank you, Lord, for, <laughs> for taking the fat. And I do credit the Lord for that. That's probably good for my health, amen? Got any health people around? Of course we do. This shall be a permanent statute, a perpetual statute throughout your generations and all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. So it didn't end at the gate of the tabernacle. It went right back into their dwellings. <clears throat> it is now, I've got, I've got a few minutes and I want to digress just for a moment. And go back to that tabernacle. The tabernacle was in size and appearance, on the outside at least, insignificant. It's fairly small. Do you know how many people were on the east side of the tabernacle? How many people camped there? 
600,000. Do you know how many uh, camped on the south? About three quarters of a million. On the west, 500,000. On the north, 500,000. You got three or four million people surrounding this tabernacle. I don't want us to forget that. This is a major site. When you, when the, the, I forget which king it was, and we'll get there, I'll, I'll, I'll promise to seek it out, came and he looked over them and he said, ooh, I don't know, that's worrisome because it was a huge place. There was a lot of people in the camp and that, and that uh, uh, tabernacle dead in the middle of it. And with the, with the uh, Levites, who didn't get any land, by the way, uh, the Levites, whose job it was, they, they camped right around the tabernacle, outside the, outside the curtain. And they, they were uh, not near as large, although they had a large number too, but it was not as large as some of the others. And uh, all of that to protect what went on in the tabernacle. These things right here. It was an elaborate setup, and in that sense, very substantial. In sight, probably not all that. The one thing that probably would have been notable was the almost constant smoke and fire of that altar. It seems like it was perpetually burning. And, uh, uh, and offerings were being made on that. I just wanted to kind of set that view because this is a massive group of people. It's not 50 people on this side and 50 on this one. I'm talking about somewhere close to 3 million people in this camp. Wow. We don't usually think of the, uh, of the children of Israel numbering like that, but they did. And if you remember, there were some who were not Israelites at all that were part of, the, part of that uh, community. And so, uh, all of these things are laid out before a lot of people, and they were engaged in this kind of business of offering up sacrifices to the Lord constantly. And hopefully, not without getting weary of it and paying no attention to what it meant. But you can almost imagine, how might that apply? How might some of this apply to the way we worship God. I think it does. I think it probably has some meaning for us. And we abide by the detailed instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one thing that the worshiper knew was God was calling the shots. We should know that too. When we come here, it is not about our preferences, it's about the Lord's will for worship. When you go out to uh, find a church, if you move to a new community, I hope you're not looking for who has the best music, <laughs> that kind of thing. But which church is it that honors the Lord Jesus Christ? My grandson, Ryan, you all, most of you have met him. 
a delightful person that went to uh, uh, Bel Belmont, Belmont University down in Nashville, Tennessee. It's actually in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, uh, was looking for a church with my engagement with him. Um, a number of almost 40 churches and took almost four months until he settled in one based on what? They honored the Lord Jesus Christ more than the others. I nearly cried. My grandson is doing what he's supposed to do. The fat belongs to the Lord. And he was giving to the Lord what I think is the best. In what way do we honor the Lord the best? It is not about our preferences. You know, he preferred larger congregations. This one here is about 100. It's about like ours. But it's a really marvelous one. Their statement of faith is just super. Uh, he's happy with his decision, and so am I. Took a while, but it was all based on what they did to honor Jesus Christ, our Lord. We should do exactly that and, uh, and worry less about our preference for this or our preference for that. The same thing is true for the children of Israel. They had to obey what God said, not their own inclinations. Now, I probably wearied you with some of these things. Let's, uh, let's finish with a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, these things are written that we might gain from them, that we might know more about the ministry, person, and character of Jesus Christ. And we're thankful, Father, when we see these things. We're not only thankful at these offerings that go up, but we remember those who came in to offer false fire. And you destroyed them by fire. And they drug them out of the uh, tabernacle area by their clothes. You are the one who orders worship. You are the one that tells us how to worship. Father, teach us in our hearts and in our minds that we're here because of you. And now, dear Lord, bless the worship services about to come. All of this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much.